for this year because we don't just want to maintain and stay the same or some very practical things. We are upgrading some of our worship and music equipment, which is long overdue, so that's in the budget, um, and we'll begin to make some of those improvements soon. You may have noticed the foyer is cleared out. It's time for a, a refresh on that decorating, so we'll be redecorating and revamping the foyer area. Um, you may have noticed today it looked way different, so look forward to something good happening out there. We're doing some updates in our kitchen, which we're using our kitchen a lot today. Um, just some of the appliances died. We got to replace them. Just normal, normal business stuff. We also made some staffing changes and additions, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and then we are still wanting, believing for our future, some very big items that we can't cover with regular giving. We're going to need either a miracle or some extraordinary uh, giving, which we'll have to address at some point. And those are, we desperately need of additional space for our kids' classes and kids' ministries. So we've been talking for a year or so about how we can expand or add portables. We've even had plans drawn up for an expansion that's still in our heart and desire. Right now we're maxing out the spaces we have at this very moment. <laughs> Almost every room in the building is being used. Um, and then the parking lot, if you've noticed, we are not unaware uh, that that needs to be fixed, but please know that costs so much almost as much as a nice house to get that thing repaired. So God's going to help us. Um, these are the things we're thinking of planning for. So that's a quick high view of our budget. I said we had some staffing changes, so I want to talk about the staffing uh, changes. Last year, we had on staff with us, and he's not here. Uh, he's in with the youth. Marvin Williams Jr. was on staff with us as assistant uh, preaching pastor, as well as overseeing our ministry of the campus. Um, but this fall, um, the Lord opened a door for him to be a high school Bible teacher at Lansing Christian School. And he's been doing amazing there. So he's not officially on staff with us anymore, but obviously he's still around. He's, you'll still have to see him preaching every so often. He's willingly and graciously, enthusiastically leading our youth class every other week because, you know, being with those high schoolers Monday through Friday was not enough. Uh, he wanted to do it on Sunday morning as well. Uh, and uh, we just love his passion. So he'll be preaching here. Uh, he'll be leading our youth class. He also helps lead our Wednesday night um, corporate gatherings. But he's no longer officially on staff. Who knows? That may change down the road. But we bless, we really believe the Lord led him into this space with LCS um, for this season. Uh, another new development is we, for the first time in many, 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 many years, have a office administrator. So Annie Leiperand has been hired. Annie! Uh, on a, on a part-time basis to staff our office, she's been actually been doing the work as a volunteer for a year or more. So God bless her for volunteering, but we desperately need that administrative help to continue to grow and, and just do well as an organization, as a church family. So she's been hired on to do that. We're going to have now, at some point, we hope to share with you regular office hours when the church building's open, stuff like that we haven't been able to do. And God bless you, Annie. We are, I am so grateful because what this means is what she wasn't able to volunteer to do to keep Edmund going has been on me. And if you know me, that is not my gift. Uh, I'm willing to do the work, but it's going to be so much better now. Um, two, we have uh, Meredith, who's been overseeing our kids, is going to continue in that role, but has also taken on an additional small little role, which she's really gifted at, is to create graphics and run social media. 
so that we can step in to our current century and be <laughs> uh, active on social media platforms and have a voice with those who are out there looking for people like us. So super stoked for that. Thanks, Meredith. Uh, um, Justin Reed, who you all should know if you've been around, shares you know, frequently about his mission with the Project 111 and being on staff at the House of Prayer, continuing in that role, but has now for this new year taking on a very part-time role as well in leading our worship music ministries, uh, which is something we really need to give some leadership and attention to. Um, so if you are looking to get involved in worship or help with tech, hit up Justin. And he's helping teach the kids right now, too. So, but during the meal, tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, I'd like to get involved. There's a perfect time to get involved as we're kind of reorganizing, revamping, shoring up the walls. Again, was an area that, since it didn't have oversight, had fallen to me, uh, had become very administrative, and so therefore wasn't getting done very well. Uh, we don't just want to maintain worship. We want to grow. We want to excel in the place of worship. And Justin is a perfect guy to lead us in that. So uh, he's also come into a very part-time staff, staff role as well. So those are our staffing changes. Um, third on our business list is um, I talked a few months ago about the creation of a new leadership team, a leadership team transition. So we are an elder-led church, and we've got some amazing men of God, uh, Tim Young, Kevin Roper, Tom Schrader, Justin Reed, myself serve on the elder board. Some of the godliest, faithful men who care about you, you may not even know them, but pray for you and care about you more than probably any other person that, that's not in your family. So we have an amazing eldership team that is staying in place, but we wanted to create a rotating team of people that was diverse in age, stage, ethnicity, a, a team that would represent more fully who we are as a spiritual family. And this, this team would begin to become our face and also begin to help steer us directionally in how we continue to grow as a spiritual family. So we've been working on this. It's still in process. But that team of people would not be committed forever. They would be in one-year cycles, one-year commitments to serve in that role on six-month rotation. So I've been talking to some individuals who are, again, of different ages and stages in life, who represent different segments of our little population to see what we can put together. But be patient. I'm excited about it, but we're not in a hurry. Four, our family is growing. Uh, we continue to add children. We also have new members here, people who are going through our membership class. We're excited about that. We're going to start a new cycle of SOCC and Me, which is sort of our intake where you get to hear our history, which Cindy shared some of today. Our history, our vision, our values, what we believe, and how you can be involved. So if you're new around here and would like to learn more about how you can become or commit to this as a spiritual family, come talk to me. Final business item. Everybody still awake? This, this is going pretty good. Is um, the holiday season is coming. I wanted to let you know of some of our plans for that. I'm not rushing it, but I just want you to know um, it's a very interesting year in that Christmas and New Year's both fall on Sundays. So that really impacts us as, and our rhythms as a spiritual family. So what we, we are planning to do this year is on Saturday the 24th, which is Christmas Eve, do a Christmas Eve service, which we have been doing. It's been a big hit the last several years. It's super fun because we never know who's going to show up. 
We have people we never see, they show up on, on Christmas Eve. People we never met show up on Christmas Eve. And we have an amazing time um, singing the carols, um, sharing the Christmas story. Um, so this year is going to be great. I think we'll add in some extra special elements. I'm going to keep those secret for now. Um, but just plan to make that your commitment to be with the fam if you're around on the 24th. And then Sunday the 25th, we will not have service and trust you to just celebrate Jesus with your families and all the places that you plan to be on Christmas Day. All right? Then on New Year's Day, we will have service, the first. You know, even if you stay up to celebrate the ring in the New Year, you can still make it out if you want. Um, so we're going to have a service that will probably be a simpler service, but what a powerful time to meet the first day of the year and worship and pray into it. So that is the business. Who, who can tell I'm not a big fan of business meetings? You guys did a good job, though. All right, so back to where we started. I want to share from my heart just a few minutes, um, and then we'll share a meal today. Um, what do you believe? What do you see? What do you feel? Did, what do you sense that God is up to? I want you to think about that. I told you what I feel like I'm seeing that I think there's people all around us that you may see in. Interesting thing, I'm sorry, if you, I hope you don't mind me keep talking about you, Daniel. It's not the first person who's come to me in the last several weeks talking about God supernaturally kind of moving in their family circles. Anybody else would you say, I've just seen God moving in my family recently. All right. God's up to it. We want to be ready for it. He's prepared us for it. Some of you have been praying for years for God to move in your family. Hallelujah. He is doing it. But not just in our families, but in our neighborhoods. He, he is moving in people you couldn't have imagined he was moving in and awakening to his reality because he's coming back. And you know, the truth of the word is that he's not willing that any should perish. He wants every person to know him. So God is good and merciful, and he will touch the hearts and souls of any who are hungry. And he will seek to draw all to himself in his mercy. And he'll never force anyone, but God is so kind and so merciful. He will go to lengths to make sure that every single human soul has a chance to say yes. And also a chance to say no. We get to be a part of that. But as I was thinking about this, I, I thought of, I feel like a word to us uh, in this hour could be Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 12. Verse 3. Now, the book of Daniel is awesome and powerful. Daniel was a, a man of God, a prophet of God, a powerful person of God. You know, for people that, that aren't like me, if you're not in full-time ministry, Daniel, Daniel's the man. You want to follow his example. God put him in positions of power and influence as a believer. Remember, he's the one that got thrown in the lion's den, and God protected him. Because he was in a position of power but refused to compromise his beliefs. I believe God wants to raise up Daniels in us. But Daniel chapter 12 says this, and uh, I'm a little bit pulling this out, but I promise this is not out of context in a way that is meaningless. It's in context in a way that's meaningful. But in Daniel chapter 12, the prophet says this powerful thing, and you may know this passage. It says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. And God is speaking really of people like Daniel, 
But I want to put this in context for our spiritual family because, um, you know, we talk a lot about the place of prayer, about the place of knowing God. Even in this a series we were just in about the book of Revelation was all really about the point of it is Jesus. Know Jesus. Be a friend of Jesus. At the end of the day, what matters is know him. Talk to him. Walk with him. And when we say a people of prayer, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about just the activity of talking to God in some corporate prayer meeting, although that's very, very valuable. It's about walking with him like Daniel did. And wisdom, what is wisdom to Jesus? We talked about at the very beginning of the Coming of Son of Man series in Matthew chapter 25. I would encourage you to read it. Jesus talks about, he talks about 10 young, what he calls young virgins. And he says half of them were wise and half were foolish. And in the parable, again, we talked about it before, so I'm not going to explain the whole thing. Jesus contrasts what to him is wise and to him what is foolish. Now in this thing, the ten, representing people who know and love Jesus, they're all looking for Jesus. They all want Jesus. But Jesus says five were wise were five were foolish. And here's how he divides it up. All of them had lamps. They had the ability to shine. They had a desire to see Jesus. Wisdom was the ones who gave themselves to the place of preparation, dedication, and intimacy and relationship with God in a way that seemed unnecessary for the time they were living in. And it talks about storing oil. They stored up oil. And that oil represents the presence of God and intimacy with God. And God says, the ones who gave themselves to devotion to me in a way that seemed extravagant to the world around them, that is wisdom. It's wisdom to be a people of prayer in the hour before Jesus returns. What was foolish was those who's like, no, we, we got to be busy. We got to shine. We got to shine. We want to be ready when he comes, but not to take the time to actually know him, to be a people, be a person of prayer to Jesus is foolish. So in context of Daniel, the wise, at the end of the age when Jesus is about to return, the ones who will take the time and give themselves to extraordinary devotion to Jesus will shine. And that bears true with the Matthew 25 narrative, doesn't it? They had lamps that enabled them to see in the time of darkness. And it says in that parable, Matthew 25, it was dark for longer, and the wait was longer for Jesus than they had expected. That's why it was wise to have more fuel than you thought you needed, more depth in Jesus than you thought was enough, because that is what will cause you to shine. In the hour before Jesus returns, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And what happens when you're shining the light of Jesus? You get to lead many to him. They will lead many to righteousness. It's the wise who God uses. It's the wise who will shine. And Isaiah 61, 60 and 61 picks up this, this theme as well where it talks about arise Great darkness will cover the earth, so arise and shine. Many will come to you. And it's speaking again of the days before Jesus returns. That there will be people that God puts his light upon and inside to shine in the darkness because he's going to use them to draw people to himself. I want to be that person. A people who are wise, a people of prayer are the ones who will shine and lead many to righteousness. But there's a false thinking sometimes 
a, a false dichotomy, I believe, in some people's minds about Christian life. That there are somehow people who pray and there are people who go. And somehow they're not the same people. I don't think that's true at all in Jesus' mind. I can't see any scriptural basis for that. In fact, I think it's the people who pray that God sends. Because it's the people who have spent the time with Jesus, get the heart of Jesus, and can go with Jesus. In fact, the way he taught his disciples at one time to pray was pray to the Lord of the harvest to send. It's the people who are praying to the Lord of the harvest, believing for a harvest, to get the heart for the harvest that will be sent. Is this making sense? Now, there may, or there may be people, well, there are, the Bible would say, there are some who are evangelists. And, and they are specifically gifted to equip others to share the gospel. But do you think it's only the evangelists that should share the gospel? By no means. And if there's a biblical precedent for an intercessor, a person who gives himself to the praise of prayer, should they be the only ones that pray? By no means. While some may find their home to, uh, to excel and equip others in that place, if you are a believer in Jesus, you're supposed to be a person of prayer and a person that shares the gospel. Amen? That's just the way it goes. And I say this about us as we talk as a family today because I get comments sometimes, uh, feedback sometimes, about not always understanding, well, how can we just say we are a people of prayer? Well, to me, I just want to say first, that's not exclusive. When we say we're a people of prayer, again, it's not just about attending meetings where we pray. It's about being people that know God. But also that Jesus said his house would be a house of prayer. Uh, but it doesn't always, I'll say it this way, because it's in the you know, idiom vernacular. It's not always sexy to talk about prayer, to say you're a people of prayer. You know, if you want to be a church that attracts people, you say prayer. People are like, I don't know about that. But the truth is every church's uh, mission and vision is the same. Know God and make him known. If you take the vision statement of any church that really loves the Lord in, in the English language, and you boil down their mission statements as they want to know God and they want to make him known. Guess what? We want to know God and we want to make him known. Okay? That's who, that's who we are. And we say we're a people of prayer. That, that's what we mean. We want to know God and make him known. We want to fulfill Jesus' zeal of his heart when he came into the temple and knocked over tables and said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. There's so much business going on that people can't actually interact with God. This is, this, we're missing the point. That's what he was saying. And we just want to say yes to Jesus' heart for his people. What he came with zeal to accomplish for us, that every barrier would be removed between man and God. We want to walk right through what he's provided. We want to walk right into the knowledge of God and right out with the knowledge of God. Is this making sense to you? I want to share some scriptures that may not be um, super familiar to you. Um, but are super meaningful in putting these two together for us, again, as a spiritual family. And if you're part of this spiritual family, hopefully this will click for you. And if you're not or you're new, maybe the Lord will light something and spark something in your own heart. Another prophet of old, Amos, 
uh, chapter 9, verses 11, has uh, this interesting description of what God will do in that day. Now, if you're not a super, uh, you know, super deep Bible scholar, let me clue you in. You don't need to be one. Anytime the word of God says in that day, it's talking about when Jesus is about to return. It's talking about the end of the age. Everything we've been talking about in that day talks about that. Um, it's not talking about some random day, it's, and, and it's not a literal day, it's a season of time. The day of the Lord is a season of time when he's going to return. So let me just read this to you. Amos chapter 9, verses 11, prophet says, and it's the word of the Lord, God is speaking, in that day I will restore David's fallen shelter or fallen tabernacle, it was the tent. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be. Why? Verse 12. So that they may possess the remnant of Edom uh, and all the nations, and so that all the nations that bear my name may seek me, declares the Lord, who will do these things. Now let me, let me just explain it for a minute. We're going to read the next couple of verses too. But some have called this God's divine prescription in the end of age. In the hour of darkness, what is God going to do? He says, I will, and it's God speaking, I will restore David's fallen shelter. Well, you have to know what the tabernacle of David was. Now, David was the great king, the prophesied king, the king who would be the first in the line that would bring King Jesus. So it's connected to Jesus' return as king. But he says, I'm going to rebuild David's fallen tabernacle, which was a tabernacle where day and night worship and prayer was going all, all day and night for several years. I think 30 years during David's reign, while he was king of the nation, he established his tabernacle with worshipers and musicians who day and night declared the, the, the glory of God. The book of Psalms, much of it came from that. They were just scribing out the songs that were being sung. They're scribing out the prayers that were being prayed. And that's what happened in David's tabernacle. And it was the fuel for his great kingdom. It was what, what gave him victory in battle, he believed, was the place of prayer. And in fact, the great king, conquering king David, said, the place I'd really want to be is in the presence of the Lord. But so God says, I'm going to restore this expression of day and night worship that fallen tent of David. And then what's going to happen? And I'll tell you this. God is doing this right now in the earth. We have the house of prayer in Lansing. But it's not just here. It's not just us. All over the face of the globe in the last two decades, ministries and places dedicated to lifting up worship nonstop to the Lord because he's worthy have been uh, exponentially multiplying. I, I wish I had the statistics. I've shared them before, but exponentially. Whereas, say, 30 years ago there was two. There are th literally thousands, maybe actually tens of thousands today, places in the earth where God is restoring this desire to express worship in every city. And Malachi 1.11 talks about this too, that in every place, worship will be arising until the greatness of his name fills the earth. So he is restoring that now. He's already doing it. And we get to be a little part of it. But what happens as a result of it? So that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Now, this you may not make a lot of sense, but the next part. And so that all the nations that bear my name may seek me. Now, Amos was speaking to the Jewish Israelites at this time. But he's saying there's going to come today. So David's tent was, was decommissioned. It wasn't happening. But he says, in that day, when my king is coming, I'm going to reestablish this expression of night and day worship. And it's not going to just be for you, Israel, but all the nations will be awakened to seek me because of it. 
And then what will happen? Let's read the next couple of verses. Verses 13. And these days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills, and I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. So he's talking about a day of, of fullness, and this, this interpolation of the reaper and the sower and the treader and the new wine is that there's going to be such an abundance of harvest that we won't be able to keep up with it. As a result of the expression of worship and prayer going up, the nations will be brought to the Lord in such an abundance. It's the end time harvest that is fueled by nonstop worship and prayer. Are you still with me? All right, so in Acts chapter 15, the, the apostles, now we're in the New Testament, they're having a disagreement because the nations are beginning to come, not just Israel. They thought the Messiah was just for them. Jesus said, no, nah, I'm for everybody. And the nations start to come in. They're like, what do we do with them? They don't follow our laws. We have all the laws that they need to keep our laws because we've really been working hard for centuries to keep these laws. Um, but the Holy Spirit gets poured out on people who are Gentiles. They weren't Israelites by birth. And they're coming to faith in Jesus. They're just being awakened because they're hungry. Sound familiar? And so having this dispute, well, what do we do? How do we bring these two groups together? Because we have our traditions. We have our laws as the Jews. But now God's saving the nations and the apostles quote in Acts chapter 15, this same verse says, well, didn't God say that in that day he would restore the fallen ten of David and the nations would come and seek him? This is the fulfillment of that. The nations are being drawn to him. And so to them, the fallen ten of David was the kingly line of David that they saw fulfilled in Jesus. And let me tell you the truth, it's both. The Jesus kingship is, is lifted up and seated on the praise of his people. His lordship is expressed through the praises of his people. And you could easily say, too, that in the earliest days of the church, it says they were meeting daily for prayer in the temple. They were daily meeting for prayer. And they were meeting house to house. And they met on the Sabbath. They were busy people in the early church. Praying and worshiping, sharing the gospel, doing signs and wonders. It's what they were doing. It's what we're called to do. So they quote that verse in Acts chapter 15, but it wasn't the ultimate fulfillment of it. It was only his first coming. It wasn't his ultimate coming. At the days of his ultimate coming, we will see the ultimate expression of the word of the Lord, and it will be fully, fully fulfilled, perhaps even in our day. We might live into this day. I believe we're called to it. So making sense of why we believe we're called to that. Prayer is not just about a gathering weekly on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening. It's about being a people that know God. But prayer is important in that when we pray, God will do what only God can do. As we see awakening around us and even on that campus, it's not by accident. We've been praying. We've been asking. We've been seeking. We've been believing. We see Jesus come in and, and establish this reality. I want my house to be a house of prayer, but not much longer down the road which we're probably well more familiar with, after he sacrifices his life, goes into the grave, and raises up again, commissions us to go. He gives a commissioning to go. Go into the world, and now go make disciples of all nations. The nations. Because when we be, be, make, give ourselves to being 
a part, a people of prayer, we then have a part to play in what we pray. It's not a dichotomy. It's not separated. It's all one in the heartbeat of God. We give ourselves to prayer. We will have a part to play in what we have prayed for. We get to see God bring the kingdom where we are, and we want to be ready. We want to be ready with the, the answer of the gospel. We want to be ready with those who are questioning, those who are hungry, those who are seeking, those we didn't think wanted to know him, want to know him. We want to be ready to share. We want to be ready to give an account, as the, the Bible says, for why we have hope in the midst of darkness. Am I right? These Sunday mornings are, are only a piece of that, by the way. Um, it, it, it's in true relationship, discipleship, and in the going where, where a lot of this begins to flesh out. And some would say, well, how can I go? You know, I, I'm busy. I got a job. I got kids. Yes, it starts in your home. If you have kids, those are your first disciples. Disciple them well. Teach them all the things that Jesus has taught us to do and be. And send them out. But if you're in a, in a job, in a business, go there. Be there. Be available there. Be like Daniel. Be committed to the Lord and excellent at your job. Because that's your great witness as well. And those who can, go in other ways. Go get to know your neighbors. Get out with us on the campus. You know, I'm wearing... I'm bringing this to a close, I promise. I'm wearing green and white today, um, not just because I love our local sports teams. In fact, I didn't grow up rooting for anybody. I didn't grow up rooting for the Spartans. It just wasn't even in my, my, my home. I cheer for green and white because I believe we have a spiritual calling to, to green and white. Uh, like I said, I wasn't a student there. My wife did go there. Uh, she, got, uh, she went to med school there. But we aren't originally from Lansing. We were called to Lansing. And God has a call on that campus for all of us, this spiritual family. You heard our history. It's not just because we want football to win. It's because we want Jesus to win at MSU. And here's the thing. God has moved there before. He'll do it again. But even if you don't have a history of revival, even if you're not a part of this church, here's what I would say that any church in the vicinity of that university should care deeply. Because we've all been commissioned with the gospel to make disciples of the nations, and they are in our backyard. There are 180 nations, I believe, represented at MSU. 180 nations that you could get on a, on a plane and pay a lot of money to fly there, but they're already here. <laughs> they're already here. Not just the nations, but the future leaders are, are right here, too, at that university. Those who will make policies and be doctors and write literature and be the next professors at the next universities who will impact the next generations, they're at the university. So I would make a case that anyone that loves God in this vicinity should care about MSU. And everyone that loves God in the vicinity of that campus should be praying for that campus, at the very least. Those who sense a call or have nearness should go. But I believe we have even more than that. We have roots there, and I believe God has an inheritance for Spirit of Christ Church at Michigan State University. And if you're called into this spiritual family, that should matter to you in one way or another. Like, well, I can't. You can do something. 
you should be a part of, of, of some way. At very least, committed in your heart to pray for the great harvest to come. Because it's going to have, it's going to come. Like I said, we've seen bits and pieces, um, but we have words from the Lord that he wants to see that stadium filled not for a football game, but for the worship and the proclamation of the gospel. That stadium is going to be filled with signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. We're going to see it happen. We're going to be a part of it, friends. I'll believe it. So what can you do? We'll start in the place of prayer, you know, and pray for this spiritual family and pray for the campus, but share the gospel. Believe for the nations and even more so, ask God, what should my part to play be? The first question I asked you today was, what do you see God doing? Second question you need, I want you to ask with the help of the Lord, what's my part to play? Talking to yourself. What's my part to play in what you are doing right now, Lord, and in this spiritual family? At the very least, you can be family to somebody. I think we're pretty good at that here at Spirit of Christ. You can be family because there are people longing to find a welcome. There are many that need to see and feel and hear the love of Jesus. I think you guys are really good at that. And there are people really hungry for that. If they come into contact with us, they might just experience the love of Jesus in a way they've never had before. And at the very least, we can love somebody, can't we? We can pray. We can go. You can love the student that comes. You can come the international that shows up. You can just love the person that doesn't look like you that shows up, can't you? We can be family. We can love. But you have a part to play. So I want to end today, stand together. We're going to just pray. We're going to pray into these things. Our business as a spiritual family and all, all, all of this. We're going to literally take time to pray. And then we're going to close and we're going to have a meal together. It's going to be awesome. Meredith, if I thought you were in with kids, would you mind just kind of accompanying? I don't need a song. I just need, I just need some background as we come into the place of prayer. You know, pick your favorite key and take it easy. Thank you for being ready. But Leah, let's stand. We're going to pray for three things. We're going to pray for our spiritual family to continue to grow. And we're going to pray for salvation for those who don't know him. Salvation for the lost, your family members, your neighbors, your workmates. And we're going to pray and ask the Lord for an outpouring of the Spirit in our city and on the MSU campus. And I'm telling you what we're praying because you're going to do it. I'm not going to call you up front. We're just going to take a minute for each of these and just pray out loud in what some call a concert of prayer. You're going to lift your voice. You're going to express your heart to God all at the same time. And God hears it all. And God answers it all. And I'm excited about that. But before we step into three minutes, just three minutes of prayer together, I need to make an invitation. Before we pray for others to know the Lord, if you're here and you don't know the Lord, you haven't fully given your life to knowing him, to the knowledge of him, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today, to, to step into the family, because God has made a way. Jesus paid for every sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future. By the cross, he made a way for you to know God today. He paid a way to forgive all of your sin today and for you to come into eternal life today. Isn't that awesome? Is there anyone here you'd say, that's me, would you pray for me? I want to come into the fullness of life. I need to know Jesus today. 
All right, let's all close our eyes and pray. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you made a way today for us to know you. And we thank you for the ones who are saying yes today. God, we thank you for forgiveness washing over them. God, we thank you for new life coming. Jesus, we declare that you are our Lord and Savior and our faith is fully in you. Now we want you to be fully Lord over our lives. If that's your commitment to him today, say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to be fully Lord. Come into my heart and change my life. Amen. He will do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to pray. So first, I want you to lift your voice for a minute and pray for us as Spirit of Christ Church family. Even if you're a guest, would you pray for us? Pray that we continue to grow as a spiritual family in all the ways God has for us. All right, ready, set, pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this spiritual family. Lift your own voice. Thank you for drawing us together. Thank you for calling us in the days on MSU campus in 1974, for calling forth a people to yourself. Lord, would you continue to nourish, strengthen, grow us, draw people into the spiritual family. God, we thank you for your kindness to us over many generations. God, we thank you for the gift of God you put in this spiritual family. God, we thank you that you are good all the time and you are doing things even we don't see, God that you're awakening hearts, you're awakening us, you're causing us to love one another in ways we've never loved before. Teach us the goodness of God. Teach us the ways of God. Teach us the love of God. Just go for another little bit right here. Just pray for us. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. What are you doing in us? Help me to agree with you, Jesus. Help me to agree with your prayer. I pray that you'd help us to welcome and love people the way that you do, to be radical in the way we serve, radical and courageous in loving people who are unlike us, God. Radical in the way that we uh, lift people up and not put them down, God, that we would truly be a representation of Jesus. Lord, we pray for the Spirit of Christ Church family, that we would truly embody the Spirit of Christ, that we would be an expression of who you are, to our family, our neighbors, our workplaces, and our world, that Spirit of Christ Church would truly be the expression of Jesus in this area in the name of Jesus. If you agree, say amen. All right, second point. Ready for number two? You're getting warmed up? Now we're going to pray for salvation for the lost. Those who don't know Jesus to come to know him. You may know specific people you want to lift up. Do it. Or just pray for your family, pray for your work, pray for your neighbors, and know that Jesus wants them more than you do. Ready, set, pray. Lord, we thank you that you're not willing that any should perish, God, that for you want all to come to eternal life, God, that you are drawing them even now with cords of loving kindness. God, that your word is alive and active, Lord, we pray for our families. God, to come into the knowledge of you. God, I pray for mothers and fathers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, children, cousins, God, to come to the knowledge of you. Awaken them to your love, God. Continue to awaken them and draw them to yourself. Lord, I pray that our neighbors will get a witness of Jesus, that we boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus to those around us, God. That you'd make us burning and shining lamps. That we'd be wise in the hour that we live, that people would truly see us. That your church would arise and shine in this hour. That in Jesus' name, God, we thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you're drawing, God. Thank you, God.
Jesus, you said that no one could come to you unless the Father draws them. We pray that you would continue your good work of drawing many to yourself. Lord, we thank you that you're already doing it. But Lord, we pray you would draw them all. Draw our families to you. Draw our neighbors to you. Draw our workmates to you. God, we draw our city to you. God, we pray that you'd make us ready with the gospel. That we'd be bold and clear. We'd be burning and shining lamps. That we'd be wise and we'd shine like the stars in this hour that we live. That we would not be shy. We would not hide it under a bushel. But we'd be bold proclaimers of Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Lord. And that you would use that, Lord, to bring many into new life, many into eternal life. That you'd save many souls, more than we could fit in this room and fill every church in this city. God, with those souls who are hungry for you, that you draw to salvation in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. All right, last one. Now that you're all warmed up, we're going to pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. As God promised in Acts 2, that sons and daughters would prophesy, that signs and wonders would be done to give glory to his name, and that the MSU campus would be revived. Ready, set, pray. Father, you said that in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. God, that you cause our sons and daughters to prophesy. Lord, I pray for our children, that you would pour out your spirit on them, the young and the old children. God, that you would pour out your spirit, they'd prophesy, and they testify of who you are. God, you said you'd pour out your spirit on your men and your women. I pray for every man and woman in this congregation to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, God, that every single one, male or female, rich or poor, would experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in them, through them. God, they would prophesy your word. God, that you do signs and wonders to the glory of the name of Jesus. God, that you do immensely more than we could ask, think, or imagine, God, that you'd heal bodies, you'd set the oppressed free. God, that you'd heal the brokenhearted. God, that again, you'd save the lost. God, come and do what only you can do. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and come again and come again and come again until the day you return. Pour out your spirit. And Lord, specifically, Lord, we set a target and pray for Michigan State University. God, pour out your spirit. God, we pray that Michigan State shall be saved. God, we thank you, God, that you have prophesied and you will fulfill, God, that that stadium will be filled one day with 70-plus thousand worshiping your name. God, with the gospel going forth with power, with signs and wonders following, God, you're going to do a sign and a wonder, and you're going to do it at MSU. God, we pray for that spirit now to be outpoured, for the many who are being awakened to find Jesus, for the gospel to be preached. 
God, for the campus ministries to be thriving and exploding, God, in the name of Jesus. God, for every church and family to be engaged in the nations in our backyard. And God, over all of it and in it all, God, we ask, God, would you cause your name to be honored and to be glorified? Let the name of Jesus be lifted high and glorified and magnified in us and through us. God, even in our little lives, the name of Jesus will receive honor and glory. And Lord, let many come, many come to know you, God, we ask. If you agree, in the name of Jesus, say amen. Amen. That was a good family meeting. I'm